the memory of those that have given their lives in service. We, uh, the memorial today is that we are grateful for men and women that would give their lives for us. That uh, uh, Debbie's uncle, Uncle Sam, he was a Vietnam, he was a pilot in Vietnam. He signed up for another tour after one tour. Rarely did the pilots come back uh, from a tour. And he signed up again and came back too because we prayed him through. Pastor West's son, uh, as y'all know, uh, he had a son that went into the Marine Corps. And he was, he was as scared as chicken liver. I'm telling you, he, 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 he told his daddy, I want to go in the infantry. And his son, dad said, you can go some, you don't have to go. I want to be a real Marine. Well, he didn't think much about that later. But we prayed Taylor through. Even here, I don't know if y'all remember, we, and we sent stuff over there, chocolates and socks and stuff like that. But those are just two of many, many, many that did not come back in, in uh, the Civil War and uh, World War I, World War II, the Vietnam War, the Afghan War, the Iraq uh, conflict, uh, the Korean War, all those things where people have given their lives for us. We should be grateful for what they have done. And how we are grateful is not just to say thank you, but to pray. We should pray that our nation would be one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And we sacrifice in prayer. It says in Romans chapter 13, we're ministering on lordship. Just can't seem to get away from it. And you know, as I go, y'all go on this part. You can steer the rest of your life, but if you show up at River Church, you, you pretty much have to go with whatever I'm going with, don't you? Hallelujah. Verse 14 says, uh, 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 But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's point to ourselves and say that. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. I think every day we ought to get up. And as we're trying to get ourselves aligned enough to get to coffee and get to the potty and get to the, uh, the day's stuff, the first thing we ought to stop is to put, put, Michael, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't go out the door without him. Don't go out with tapping in and hooking up. I know he's there and he doesn't ever leave you or forsake you, but we put him on. We deliberately put him on. I was, I was telling um, uh, Miss Mildred about... Uh, Keith Moore, who one time uh, provoked the Lord and said, uh, Lord, what would it be like to live a day without the anointing? Does the anointing really help that much or is it just for, you know, when someone's uh, uh, sick and you're, you need the anointing to pray for them or whatever? How much? So he asked the Lord to take away the anointing for a day. I, I don't know how that works. I don't know how that could work. But he said the Lord did and said he almost died a hundred times all day long just just it was just the most wrecked up and messed up and just just completely out of whack day and he said I withdrew that request you know I did not so we got to put on the Lord Jesus and he goes on to say there and make not provision for the flesh in other words if you don't put on the Lord Jesus you're making provision for the flesh you're saying the flesh will get it the flesh will do it how can how many can y'all imagine all the people that are walking around that don't have the anointing on their life he said it was the most miserable day of his life. And then there's countless people that are, that is their life. 
They have no hope. They have no, they're full of fear. They're, they're always strategizing how to get out of this and how to manipulate that. He said, uh, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So uh, we know that uh, here, here it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. This phrase, Lord Jesus Christ, is in the New Testament a hundred and, what did I put, 119 times. It's a big subject. It's a bigger subject than salvation. The Word says get born again. But then it's a constant reminder, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We could just go, we could spend the whole morning just going to Scripture after Scripture. I looked at all of them, and they're just everywhere. Uh, it's a big deal in the New Testament. Lordship, but it's not preached. What's preached is, is get born again. What's preached is, miss hell. Go to heaven. That's what's actually preached. And how do you do it? Well, you get born again. It's kind of like it's a, it's a, there's a list of instructions and it has three parts and you do this, do two, do three, and you know, here you go. You get born again. When the whole thing is, what about Jesus? We, we always got to come back to, you know, like uh, uh, Coach Bryant uh, said, you know, this is a football. When he would go back to the basics, we always got to go back to the basics. The Lord Jesus is the basics. He's everything. Nothing, nothing. There's no formulas. There's no witty steps. Uh, even as Melissa shared with us, you know, there's three steps that you do in your finances, of course. But it won't work without the Lord Jesus. There is no angel dispatching. There is no devil stopping. There is no provision meeting without him being Lord. And that is the complaint that was made about Brother Hagin is that he would put out little formulas like that that worked for him. But it was a given that he had made Jesus Lord. And the people that would read that would just take it like something off the Internet. You know, how do, how do you do this and how do you do that? And just say, well, here's three things for your finances. you got to have him as Lord. You'll be disappointed, won't you? Hallelujah. So the Bible emphasizes lordship. And it's real easy to get away from because we're always trying to uh, get our bills paid and get our bodies healed, get our children lined up. And as we've said before, that lordship is, uh, is a rare attribute in the curriculum, as it were, of the American church. We, we have talked about the things I'm saying, prosperity and getting healing and talked about those things, just assuming and presuming that lordship is, is, is inherent, but it's not. Lots of people are just coming in and picking up their new uh, tool to do something in the kingdom of God. And so therefore, insecurity is rampant when Christians. Do you all know any Christians that are no different than the world? They're, they're just as divorced. They're just as bankrupt. They're just as not paying their bills. They're just as afraid of the boogeyman and uh, everything else. They're, and yet they're born again. Because they're only going to heaven, they have no confidence about putting on the Lord Jesus for life. They've, they've made a, like a life insurance policy. I paid my premium, so to speak, got born again, and someday we're going to cash that little puppy out. But what about between now and then? Well, the Lord Jesus wants to have complete and absolute control. He wants to be Lord, and He doesn't make any bones about it. He doesn't apologize for wanting to dominate your life and brainwash you. Did you all know the Lord Jesus wants to brainwash all of us? He wants us, the Bible calls it, renew your mind. But He wants to take over your mind. So the devil can't have it, the flesh can't have it, the curse can't affect you. So I see Christians all the time that have been born again uh, as long as I have. I've been born again since I was about nine, which is getting to be a long time ago. 
<laughs> as we every year. And uh, I see them and they have no confidence. They have no learning. They have no understanding of, uh, of uh, having rights and having uh, things that are, that are absolutes. This, you know, this can't happen because the word is this. Uh, I have that in my life. How about you? I listen to Deborah. I listen to Melissa. I've listened to all of y'all talk. And you have a confidence. You have an, an assurity. This is how it is, and it won't be different than this. This is who I am in him, and here's, here's the devil, and he ain't nothing. Can I say that that way? He ain't nothing because of who I am. Now, he was. Before I knew who I was, he was a big deal. He was a big dog. But then I found out who I was in the Lord Jesus and all his power and authority and stuff, it faded away. And we have to know that. So you've got to, uh, to have Jesus as Lord. You have to be able to identify with him even in a group. You have to, in a group of Christians, you have to say, I'm not just a Christian. I'm not identifying with being a Christian. I'm identifying in being Jesus is Lord. Real important. Then we say, well, I'm a Christian. Well, we're all in church. We all go to church. We all go to the potlucks together. We all do the fellowships together. I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm as good as anybody, they'll say. Well, nothing's working until Jesus is Lord. He's the head of the church. He's the one that bought you with a price, and he is in charge. In Luke chapter 16, let's look there just for a moment. You know, at River Church, we do Bible drill. Bring your Bible. Actually, now we got to, we got to roll this. Lat oh, I didn't give Barry a... Well, anyway, I didn't give him any scriptures. But last week we had a couple here, a homeless couple or whatever. That's the reason we put the scriptures up is for them. I, I want you all, since they're not here this morning, I'll just tell you all, I don't put the scriptures on the screen for you. I want you to look them up. But they don't have a Bible. They don't know. You say turn to John, and they're, you know, they're over here in Exodus, and they don't know. And, and then by the time they ask somebody and get around, it, it's already gone by. So we just put it up there to, to prove or to affirm that what we're talking about here is out of the Bible. They can, they can look up and see Bible language, you know, ye and thou and all that sort of stuff. They say, oh, that's the Bible. But I, I'm, we're not putting that up for y'all. If I had my druthers, we wouldn't put the songs up. Have you ever seen people just mindlessly read? I mean, the, the, there's seven hallelujahs in, in, a, in a song together, and they're reading all seven of them. Because they could... Let's get off of that. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm just saying you can get into your mind and not be out in the spirit at all. Just kind of a thing. Uh, it says in Luke chapter 16, let's look in verse 13, talking about the lordship of Jesus. Oh, it's so wonderful. It says here, let's read it together, please. Verse 13, I'm in the King James. No servant can serve two masters. Why? For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other, Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now, this is a lordship scripture. This is a, you know, uh, you've seen those bumper stickers on cars that says coexist. And it spells it out with, uh, with symbols of the different religions. They'll have a, a moon for the sea. Did y'all know that the moon is, uh, that Islam serves the moon god? And his name is Baal? Yeah. 
Oh, I found a scripture yesterday. I can't go there. Uh, where was that? Uh, anyway, I'll think of it. We'll, we, we might go back there. Stay tuned. We'll have it another time. If not, amen. But this word service says, no servant can serve two masters. Now, what does that word serve mean? Because there's a lot of ways you can serve. You'll have a, a waitress that or a waiter that'll come up in, in the restaurant and says, hello, I'm Johnny Bob and I'm here to serve you today. Really? Well, we have some, we have a dirty car out there. And if you don't mind, be careful with those hubcaps. And as you, as you serve me, and no, he's talking about I'm going to bring you something to eat. But this word does not mean serve in a restaurant. The word here is specifically used as a slave. The connotation there engenders is a bondman or a handmaiden. I did not know the word handmaiden meant a female slave, voluntary or involuntary. You can either be sold as a slave, a bondman or a handmaid, or you can give yourself to one. In other words, your father can sell you and say, we got $100 for that daughter. Or you can give yourself that says, I, I can't eat. And so you sell yourself. Well, either way, the, the Bible says no man can serve, serve as a bondman, as a slave to masters. Well, now, you, that makes sense because if you, are, if you literally belong to somebody, you can't moonlight for somebody else. You're a slave. Now, we're not slaves, so we can, we can work at Chick-fil-A all day Saturday and then, then slip across the parking lot to Milo's and work all day Sunday. We can serve two masters because we're just serving. But this is a slave connotation. Now, notice here that Jesus is speaking about being sold out. He's not talking about, you know, if it's handy or if it's on weekends or you get some time off, serve me. Serve God. He said, no. When you serve, you're completely signed up. So he says there, that, that word serve, it means a purchased one. No man can serve as a purchased one. So that makes more sense. And then he goes on and says, uh, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold the one and despise the other. He said, you cannot serve God and mammon. Now that mammon is an, it's an archaic Arabian or Arabic word. And so, and you know what it means. It means money. But I looked it up in several ways and, and went deep on it. And literally, when someone is, uh, the word is avarice. You ever heard the word avarice? It means someone that is completely greedy and serving themselves. And the, usually the cartoon that that has is someone just stuffing their face with food or uh, a very luxurious laid back with a, with a, with someone dropping grapes into their mouth and, you know, just a completely luxurious. It's hedonistic. Like they have beach commercials where you can get these packages down in the Caribbean and it's completely whatever feels good, do it. We, we got a place for you. That's avarice. That's what mammon is. Mammon is you cannot serve God and pleasure, as it were. It's not just money. It's the pursuit of what money will do or power or influence, those sort of things. It literally means <laughs> deification, self-confident deification. In other words, I am the Lord of my life. I decide what I will do. I decide what I will do uh, have. I will decide what I will be. And the connotation there is someone that's born into an extremely wealthy family 
one with uh, all sorts of privileges and having servants or having hired people, whatever, to whatever whim that you could encounter, whatever desire comes up, you just snap your finger and someone comes and ministers to, to that. This is mammon. This is self-glorification, self-deification. It's an utter confidence that, bless God, I have come and it will be different now because I'm here. Well, Jesus said, he said, no man can do both. You cannot be, and in America, we are close to that in many, many realms where we need anything we want to anytime we want to. Can you eat anytime, 24-7? Yes, ma'am. We, you can shop, you can go online, and you can click it, and it'll be here. Uh, my stuff says if you want it tomorrow by 4 o'clock, click here before 3 o'clock. You're going to sleep in until 3 anyway tomorrow. So, see, we're in a, we're in a totally, if you've, got, if you've got money or you've got uh, knowledge, you can have anything. There's no pleasure denied in this society. Y'all don't have time or money or you might be tempted by that. You're like, really? Yeah, it's out there. So, um, Jesus said you can't serve as a slave both of those. You have to be completely sold out to one or the other. So here's, the, here's one premise is that if you don't make Jesus Lord, then by default, we do have mammon in our life. If he's not Lord, you go, well, I go to church. I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. Did you know you could have all of those and not have Jesus as Lord? He could be an accessory in your life. I have a club membership, I have a, I have a golf course membership, uh, and, and, and I have a church membership. It's just one of many attributes that you plugged into your life, kind of like an app, to make your life easier. But he's not Lord. I don't want to get complicated here, but, but we got, we got to, we got to cut off the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the slippery side that just says he's a convenience and he's something that I use. And someday I'm going to take my Jesus ticket and I'm going to cash in and miss hell. That is the mindset of many, many Christians. I got this thing. It's tucked in my Bible. Where is my Bible? Yeah, honey, have you seen my Bible? <laughs> it's in there somewhere, you know, that I'm going, that when I need it, I've done, humbled myself. I've already got myself where I became a Christian, and someday it's going to pay off. But, but right now, I got my memberships. I got my pleasure. I got my... I do what I want to do. I'm in charge. I am the Lord of my life. Nobody would admit it. Nobody would own up to it. But isn't that by definition exactly what we are? We are in charge. If I want to live over here, I don't have to ask God. Just sell mine and move there. If I want to drive this, trade it in. If I want to eat that, just go through the drive-in. Am I wrong? <laughs> so, who's in charge? I, it's been a long time since I got to buy a car or did buy a car that I picked out. Because we'd go pick it out and the Lord would say, no, that's not it. It's, I don't know if it was a lemon. I don't know if it was uh, going to have a terrible resale at the end of four or five. or I don't know, but uh, over and over, he's, we, we always had to buy the car he wanted. And they always turned out well. First um, Corinthians chapter six. So I'm telling you this morning that the Bible says that lordship is the answer to every challenge in your life. 
Did I say every? I meant every. It's the absolute fix all everything. Tithing is not the answer. Uh, uh, communion's not the answer. They're all parts of the answer. Uh, church membership or church attendance. Woohoo! I recommend it. I the Bible teaches it, but it is not the answer. And people that just go to church all the time don't have don't always have the answer. Having lots of money, you'd think that would be the answer. And, and if you don't have any and hadn't had any, you would be tempted to think that is the answer. <sighs> yeah, if I didn't have a car payment, and yeah, if I could live over there, and yeah, if I didn't have to. Uh, have serviced this debt, that would be the answer. And you're right, it would fix a lot of stuff. But without Jesus as Lord, that money falls into pockets that have holes. Yeah. And it and it's and you're all and rich people, do you think, well, rich people don't have any troubles. You know what the number one uh, challenge for rich people is? Is how to keep people from getting their money. They're paranoid of how to put it up. Well there might be I put it in gold. Well, what if someone gets my, the key to my vault? Or I'm going to put it in, in a stock. Well, what if it fails? Or I'm going to put it in American dollars. Well, what if they... There's no solution, is there? I'll bury it in the backyard. Well, what if it goes to nothing? A dollar's not worth a penny. There's, they worry about what to do with their money. I, I have solved that problem. <laughs> I keep a minimum amount around. I have no problem with worrying about people coming and getting my money. <laughs> I'm not bragging about being poor. I'm just saying, when you live kind of on the line, you don't think about that. There's a lot of things to think about, but it's not like, well, somebody's after my money. <laughs> Amen. Ah, so, so here's the key. You got to install. You got to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Help me put him on every day. Just get a, every day his salvation is made new, but you don't have to have it. It doesn't mean it'll come to you. You got to put him on. This morning, Lord, I'm surrendering. Prisoner of war. You and the devil fought over me. He lost. You won. I, I submit. I, I will not serve. I will have no other gods before you, including hedonism. Pursuit of pleasure, mammon. I will not do it. I I'm going to drive nice if I can. I'm going to live nice. I'm going to eat well. I'm, all those things are on. We're not advocating getting rid of anything or living in some, but we're just not chasing it. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil, not money. And the Bible tells us clearly over and over, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. You just can't go after it directly. You go after him, and he brings the supply. I want you all to know this morning, I'm funded. Are you funded this morning? I'm funded. It doesn't matter what's in there, and like Melissa was sharing, it, you got to call for it. you got to live a life of expectation. you got to have a, uh, an Ephesians 3.20 that says, This is my least day. Today is, this is better than yesterday, and today is my least day. It'll be better from here on. This is real good preaching. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Well, what is lordship? We looked at it. We're going to look at it again because we're going to nail this thing. We're going to drive it in. 
If you don't know where this scripture is, then it's it's just justifies. Let's look at it again. Verse uh, chapter six, verse 19. You know this. It says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? Say point right down here and say he's in there. Now, remember, remember, we're not we 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 lift our hands to to heaven. But he's not. He, that's not where he is for you and me. He's down in here. He's in here. Hallelujah. He's in here. So this body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Now point to your say, you. Let's say it again. You. You're not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Now, this is one of the most powerful scriptures in the New Testament. This is, the, this is a covenant scripture. I am bought with a price. It's a lot of confusion in lordship about who owns this. Who, who owns this? Well, I'm an American, and I got rights. They end with Jesus. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Let's, let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. Go with me to Philippians chapter 3, please. You know, I'm, when we preach these things and when we listen to these things, we're not trying to, to get a teaching together in our head. We're just, we're just squeezing all doubt or any ambivalence or any reticence, anything like that that says, you know, you're pretty, you're pretty smooth, you're pretty smart, you're pretty well off, you've done pretty good in your years, and you ought to, you ought to take it easy. And you don't have to ask God everything because, you know, you're, you're somebody now. Well, we, every once in a while, you've got to confront that and just say, what? What? You don't have any rights, Michael. You don't have any say-so. You are bought with a price. You are not your own, ever. Because you were on the slave uh, block for sin. Sin had so dominated you, you had sinned, and you, are, you have fallen short of the glory of God. Sin sent you to hell. So someone paid the ticket and said, I'm fishing you out. You won't have to go to hell. Well, you don't just say, thank you, that's, I appreciate that, but now I'm on my own. Nope, forever. You're working on that debt. And how we work on that debt is we become who he made us. That's how we pay that debt. Not just we were fished out of hell, but I'm the righteousness of God in him. I am his special one. It's as if I've never sinned. Because the blood of Jesus has cleansed me from all unrighteousness. That's how you pay the debt of what Jesus did. That's what we did in communion. We do this in remembrance of him. We pay the debt and say, I'm somebody because he made me somebody. Otherwise, I am filthy rags. Amen? So Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 says, uh, But th what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellent. He says, I don't care about anything. Nothing's important except the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. In other words, he said, I have become a slave and put aside ownership of all things. My intellect, my smartness, my personality, my my education, my prowess, my physical uh, uh, being, all those things that might be counted as, hey, you're pretty good, Jack. You're pretty smart. You're pretty important. He said, I put all that stuff down. 
You know, Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a big dog for his day. He said, it means nothing. He said, I've actually suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. There it is. That's the transaction. Now I want to go just a little further. I want to find out what it costs to make Jesus Lord. And then I want to find out what God does for you and me when we make him Lord. In other words, there's a responsibility on my side to enter into the transaction. Jesus, you're Lord. Lip service is cheap. You can say, oh yeah, Jesus is Lord. Yay, hallelujah. Go, go God. And then go off and live a self-serving life. There's things that prove that we have done that. And then we have to call God out and say, you said, you said if I'd make Jesus Lord, this is what you would do. Well, everybody's wanting to skip the first part so they can get to this part. Do you all know we talk about the promises as if they're just, they're just automatic? Well, they are automatic legally, but you have to enter into the transaction by faith. So first of all, we're going to uh, uh, John 1. Let's get this straight. Y'all are okay with this, right? We're just, we're just, we're, we're, uh, this is kind of like an, apo uh, uh, an apologetics class, as it were, where you just take the gray out of your thinking and nail it down. It says in chapter 1 of, of John 1, uh, is that where I am? Yeah. In the beginning was the Word. The Word. The, uh, the Word was in the beginning. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Who's Him? The Word. So everything that's made was made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him, the Word, was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. That word comprehended means uh, uh, seized. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, which was the word, that all men through him might believe. Speaking of John, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, speaking of the word, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, the Jews, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Yea, we which were born not of blood, not a natural birth, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So let's restructure that sentence, which were born by the will of God. In verse 14, and the word was made flesh. So here we have the incarnation, don't we? The word was made flesh, took on another form and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Now note this, that at that time, at that point, Jesus was the only begotten. 
wasn't he? At that point, uh, historical timeline, at that point, Jesus was the only begotten Son of God. And we know that in John 3, 16. But now the Bible says in Romans that we are, you and I are the firstborn among, that Je excuse me, that Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. So he's not the only begotten anymore. He was, but then we got born again. After his price, after his gift, after his, after his sacrifice, now I am begotten of the Father. Are you? I'm a son. He's an heir. I was an, he was the heir, and then I became a joint heir with him. A joint heir. Joint, the same as. He's the cornerstone. He's the first among equals. Of course he is, and he's unique in so many ways. We're not bringing him down to our level, but we do bring ourselves up to a measure at his level. He's not the only begotten anymore. So uh, the word became Jesus. So when we call upon the name of the Lord, we're calling upon the name of the word. And so the word of God, this word right here, though it seems like, it seems as it's black ink on white paper, when this is spoken and received into a heart or a spirit, it becomes alive. It's alive. There's a life in here. This is a living, a living being here. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that, that it's alive if you just read it as, a, as a, uh, someone that's not born again. But for me, this is life. When I read this, the word says it becomes as a mirror and it reflects God into me. And I am, I am transformed by the image of this. I am changed by it into me. I'm conforming to this image as it lives off the pages and comes into my spirit. I become alive. I'm resurrected. Are you resurrected? We're made alive. What was dead is brought to life. That's why we preach the word because it's alive and, and the life of it's in this room right now. And you can reject the life or you can receive the life. You can take it as knowledge my grandmother one time told me, she says, isn't the Bible a wonderful historical book? I, I just came unwound a little bit. It was my grandmother. <laughs> but it's so much, it's not history, although it is historical. And uh, so it's alive. And we, we are taking this life and putting it in us. And it feeds us. It brings life into us. The life that it is becomes the life in us. Turn with me to John chapter 16. Let's look in verse 12. Here the Lord Jesus says something to his disciples that's still going on today. He said, I have yet many things to say to you. How many of y'all know there's still more to know in the kingdom? The Lord has things that, that he can't tell you about until you get the thing that has to come before that. You can't... You can't you got to do addition with your kids before you can do multiplication <laughs> and, and so on. Well, he says, there's many things I have to say unto you. Get up to speed is what he's saying. Get up where I can say these things to you, but ye cannot bear them now. How be it? Here's the solution. When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will always be there when you're ready for more to give you more. He shall not speak of himself, 
But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. How many of y'all know that's true? That's a reality. Every day you get up and say, Lord, Jesus, I put you on. He said, well, I got some exciting stuff that you couldn't hear yesterday, but you've been meditating me. You've been thinking on me. My lordship in you has taken the crud out of the way, the world out of the way, the flesh out of the way. And I'm going to talk to you about some stuff today. You go, hoo hoo. I wonder why you didn't tell me that last week. We couldn't bear it. We couldn't hear it. So the point here is that uh, the whole point of this is, is that Jesus has the right through these two passages to talk to you and tell you what to do to obey him. Point yourself with me and say, I must obey him. Now, we, we, we are not servants. Servants must obey. We are sons. We are sons. We are, it's genderless. We are sons. Sons don't have to obey, but we are sons who do obey. We don't have to obey. We're still sons. But he won't be able to talk to you until you obey yesterday's command, yesterday's plan, yesterday's blueprint, get on board and put on the Lord Jesus. Then the next day you get up and he said, hey, son who serves, since you've started the plan with me, since you've made me Lord of your life, since you've put off the ways of the world, I can talk to you about glorious things, things that are exceeding abundantly above what you could even think on your own because you were Lord of your life. It was self-serving. It was self-promoting. It was self-gratifying. But now that you got the kingdom in mind with me as Lord, I can show you things you've never even thunk. My, my uncle said that. Thunk. I've, I can show you stuff. You go, why do some people know more about God than others? It's all lordship. You can know anything. I, this is what I maintain. You can know everything about your life. You can't always know everything about somebody else's life, but the Lord will show you everything about your life if you can receive it. Anybody want to know more? Well, we just got to grow up. How do you grow up? You just put Jesus first. Every little kid, every little kid is thinking about themselves. They're not mature. We don't consider anybody grown up until they're not thinking totally about themselves, every thought, every, every breath, every everything. Isn't that right? That is the mark of maturity is when you start thinking about somebody else. Well, that's how the kingdom works, absolutely. In chapter 15 uh, of John, is that where we are? Yeah, we're right there. Chapter 15, uh, look in verse 5. Let's see, that's, yeah, that's where we're going. I am the vine, ye are the branches. Now, here's lordship. Here's, here's how the cow eats the cabbage. This is how the kingdom works. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Look right here. For without me, ye can do nothing. Now, that is the explanation of lordship. Without me, ye can do nothing. Well, Lord, you can't. Uh, uh, Pastor West told me he's got a little grandson. And uh, he's been raised by a mother uh, that uh, has no rules. And so this little, uh, this little toot is in Pastor West's house. And uh, Pastor West comes in the room. And the little, the little toot uh, said, Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Now, if it's in my house, I would show you the spot <laughs> where he left the earth. <laughs> uh, yeah, not really. I'm not really, but I mean, I would show you the spot of his last happy moment. That's what I would show you <laughs> where he was. This, this is where he was when he was happy before I took him out. So, uh, but, and that's the way it is. We're all that way. We're all that little kid. Don't tell me what to do. And Lord, the Lord just, but he doesn't take you out. He just said, I'll be back tomorrow and see if anything's changed. And the day after, and the day after, and the day after. And one day we just say, Lord, I want, I'm tired of this life. I'm tired of being the boss of, of junk and failure and mess and trouble and suffering. You got anything better up there? He said, yeah, it's called days of heaven on earth. Wow, sounds pretty good. What's the requirement? Make me Lord. Give it up. No more, no more you first, me first. I'll make you first, but you've got to make me first. And then I'll make you first. Oh, it's cool. You know, uh, Zig Ziglar always said, uh, the way up is down. You go serve, and then he promotes you. He puts you out there. He honors you. So it says in uh, verse 6, If you man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. So he's talking about life now, isn't he? If my words, if my life abides in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. How does that work? Well, if you have his word in you, then it's the same as if he was asking for it. We know Jesus got all of his prayers answered. He asked according to the will of God. He always prayed prayers that God could answer. You ever prayed any prayers that God, now you know God could have never answered that? He had to break his word to answer that. He couldn't. So now when we let him come in and get his word in, we start praying prayers that God can answer, pleased to answer, wants to answer, can't wait. Put, actually put the prayer in you so you could pray it so he could answer it. He's so way good. He's just so way good. And uh, uh, we're almost finished here. Uh, verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. Notice there the Father's not glorified just when you do good things or you not, don't do bad things. He says, When you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue me in my love. Uh, verse uh, Verse 12. This is my commandment. Now, you know we ought to pay attention to that. I have my circled in my Bible. This is my commandment. I, I guess they're all his commandments. But he said, this is my commandment. Th this would be the way up the top one. This would be a five-star commandment. What is it, Lord, that ye love one another as I have loved you? That's it, God? That's it? I don't have to go to some... Monastery, I don't have to give up all my money. I don't have to, uh, I don't have to this. He said, just love. Just do what's naturally in you. I put my love. Romans 5 says, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto you. He said, just do what you are. Don't be mean. Don't be selfish. Just do what you are. You're already that. Okay, God, that's pretty easy. Uh, Greater love hath no man had than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. 
Now, this is a very confusing scripture. I've heard all sorts of sermons on friends and, you know, God, we're friends. No, we're not friends with God. Now, friends is incorporated with who we are, so it's not like we're not friends, but that's not who I, we identify with. Now, for instance, if you have a servant, you've got a servant, you've got a housekeeper, you've got a yard guy, whatever that means, you don't tell them, hey, uh, Harry, uh, just a second, quit trimming the bushes. I want to tell you that my 40K is doing real good, my 401K, and... Um, and we're expecting a large lump of money coming in, and my wife. You don't tell you don't tell the yard guy this stuff, do you? Did you know I have two bank accounts, and one of them's got a hundred thousand in it? <laughs> Harry's going to say, "Well, you could pay your yard guy more then, couldn't you?" <laughs> no, that's that. Those are servants. What's a friend? What makes a friend a friend? Well, you tell them things. But you don't send, you don't necessarily send their kids to college and you don't necessarily, you tell them they know some things. He said to these boys that aren't born again, you're my friends. I'm telling you things that you could not know, but you're with me. Now in the Old Testament, the only three people that knew anything was the prophet. God would speak to him by speaking through him, the priest and the king. And they had a mantle or a, a, a cloak or whatever. They had a grace on their lives. And for that office, they could know things. But everybody else had to wait until the priest came out, till the Levite stood up and said, here's the Bible, here's the scroll. But in the New Testament, we're not those people. We are sons. The son knows the father, all the father's business. And you have to question in your own family, if you don't know your folks' business... You, you, you've got a skewed relationship. Am I telling this? Because that's, I mean, like our parents, we're, all, we're on the hook to take care of them to the end. We can't just say, I got tired of y'all. I turned 50 and I just got tired of y'all. What, what have you done for me lately, Mom? Dad, wh wh where's the love? I'm opting out. You can't do that, that when, the going, when, the tough gets go, when the going gets tough. The tough have to show up. So you ought to know it ought to be reciprocal. Hey, just want you to know we're this and we got that. And you ought to know your family's business because you're good for it. You're not going to spread it around and you're not going to purloin it. You're, you're good for it. So Jesus was saying, I'm here and I'm here now. Holy Spirit's coming, but I'm here now. And so you're not just the people of the old covenant. You have had me teach you personally. You're my friends. I'm telling you how it's going to be so you can get ready for me. But that's not us. He's inside of us. Jesus isn't in the earth anymore, per se, talking to us and walking around and sharing. He's inside of us. And the Bible says uh, in John, uh, 1 John, says, Ye have an unction from the Holy One. What's the rest of it? And ye know all things. We know the family business. That scripture in Isaiah 55, I keep nailing. He said, my ways are higher than your ways. That's old covenant. I know the ways of the Father. Do y'all? If you don't, why don't you? Because everything is right there. It's in the book. No secrets. You never know what God's going to do. God works in mysterious ways. That is wonder. No, that's not Him. Everything. We're the family. So we're not friends. I wanted to clear that up this morning. I've never addressed it. 
Verse 15, hence more, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I've called you friends for all things that I've heard of my father, I have made known unto you. So he told him what he knew. But there's more to know. And we know more. Well, that's all we can do today. But uh, there's your point right there. There's your thing that says, this is my part. I am bought with a price. If he says, I want you to go to, to Timbuktu, I want you to go to Libya, I want you to go to Philippines. You just, the next question is, is when and how? When and how? When and how, Lord? Just tell me when and then tell me how. It's not a thing of whining, I got a family and I have a job and it's, you know, I might get to buy the company. or No, I'm bought with a price. Now I'll tell you, here's the big secret of that. Once you develop that attitude that you're sold out, he'll never send you or do for you things that you don't already want to do. He gives you the desires of your heart, which means if he wants you to do anything for him that you don't want to do right now, he waits until you want to do it. Lord, I just wish I could do something for you. And, you know, I just seemed like I, I got this big desire to, to share and to go and be used and everything. And he'll start seeding you and saying, look at this over here in India. Look at over this in the Philippines. Or look at this just in a Bible study in your home. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're doing the will of God, and you want to. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Oh, Father, we thank you right now that we are bought with a price. We're so glad we're not on the sin auction block being sold to the highest demonic entity, bought, bought out because of our transgression from Adam, just marked for, for, for death and hell. Lord, you purchased us. You bought us. When it took your whole life. But Lord, you were raised from the dead and you've come back for us. And Lord, it's a glorious life. We don't want anything else but Jesus as Lord. I don't want anything but Jesus as Lord. I said, I don't want anything in this life, Lord, except you as the Lord of my life. I surrender today. If you can with me today, just, just what you can, give it up all you can. Lord, I give up everything I can. I change right now because I want Jesus as the Lord of my life. I do not want to serve me, mammon. I do not want me in charge of anything except the department of serving Jesus. And I thank you for receiving us because of the blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Woohoo! You know, when you know these things, then healing becomes easy. You can lay hands on the sick and they recover because Jesus is Lord. This isn't my show. This isn't my circus. This isn't my zoo. I'm, I just work for Him. I'm just under Him. And if He can't get you healed, why, why are you looking at me? And I give my money. I can't make that work. I, keep, I work for Him. Listen, at River Church, let me tell you, I work for him here. I love y'all. I love you dearly. But I promise you, I work for him. There's just nothing else going on. I work for him. A lot of better boys than me would have been gone a long time ago. But I got this thing that I work for him. And I'm not flinching until he says flinch. <laughs> well, how many of y'all think that's a good plan for your life, too? 
Always being at the right place at the right time. Yay, yay. Anybody need prayer? Anybody got a testimony? Anybody got something to say before we rush out in front of the Baptist? Anybody? Anybody got a little shout? Anybody got a little shout this morning? Let's shout it, Carlin. Whoa. You mean act bad? Oh. Wow. That's a lick. Amen. What the devil meant for evil, God turned it for good. Oh, well, praise God. I praise God with you. In the world, tribulation will come, but be of good cheer. I have fixed the air conditioner fund. <laughs> you have something to share this morning, Miss Darlene? Not really? Well, you were looking like you did, so I, I, I'm a jumping this morning. Well, yes, yes. They're, they're, they're never ending. I love, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things. That's really what Garland's saying, all these things. And we need air conditioning in Alabama. Let me tell you all something. That's one of them, all them things. Absolutely. There it is. Absolutely. Yes, he does. Well, we're going to look at it another week, but actually tithing is lordship. It hurts a lot of feelings when I talk about that. But, you know, because, but it's the truth that sets us free. Not, not dilly-dallying around the truth. Amen. Hallelujah. How praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Lord says, I am. I am. You know the Lord is I am, but I hear him saying, I'm going to raise up this house of healing, this house of victory, this house of always ahead. I'm raising it up, line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. I'm raising you up. Men would love to have a swoosh come in. And it just happened in one swell moment, one false moment. But I'm building you like I build everything. Here a little and there a little. So take the chastening from my throne and look for increase in me. And I will surely promote you. For I cannot fail to bring you to that place. I will not deny myself, and my plan is on, is on go. It will not fail, saith the Lord, but I will not do anything in this earth without you. So prepare yourself, saith the Lord, for things that you've never seen or never thought of, and surely I will bring them to you, and you will be pleased in the doing of it, and great will be the glory of the kingdom on earth. It will be on earth as it is in heaven, saith the Lord. Amen. 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 Just had that unction come up. Hallelujah. Well, we love you. We'll be here Wednesday. Unless he comes for us on Tuesday. And in that case, we can't tell you what's going to happen down here. I'll see you all on the other side, though.